Denver picks up some shooting in a minor trade. A couple of games on the night to talk about. Frank Vogel is on the hot seat, which is fair or unfair and real or fake. The Clippers are now doomed because of Paul George's injury. It's all coming up right now on the Locked On NBA podcast. You are Locked On NBA. Your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dancy, sing-songy kind of intro music. Thanks for joining us on the Wednesday, Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Joining me, filling in for Jake Madison, Tony East, the Locked On Pacers podcast. We just talked Celtics Pacers last <laughs> week. Here we are talking NBA. How you doing, man? Thrilled to be here. Uh, not the greatest slate ever, but still, a, a, it's the NBA. There's always a ton of news going on. A somewhat interesting trade, I suppose. The two <laughs> two coaches ago, title coach, maybe on the hot seat. I didn't even know how to describe Frank Vogel at this point. Just I a lot know. happened for a random Tuesday. It's the NBA. Yeah, yeah. For a two-game night, we actually got a lot to talk about. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code NBA or just go to your app store. Download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Let's start with this minor trade, but hey, it helps the Denver Nuggets by getting some shooting in that they, they really need. Bryn Forbes coming over from San Antonio. It's a three-team deal, Boston, San Antonio, Denver. The Celtics get Bull Bull and P.J. Dozier, a couple of injured guys. It's a salary dump for Boston. Uh, the Spurs get Wanterher and Gomez. Who knows what they're going to do with him? But the Nuggets, in the grand NBA sense, are the winners here by getting a an affordable $4 million, $4.5 million guy, Bryn Forbes, that's shooting over 40% this season. Yeah, he's a 42% from three this year uh, on four attempts per game, and that's kind of what the Nuggets need. They've had a ton of guys out this season. They haven't been the greatest shooting team, and they've just been looking for wings in general. That's kind of been the report for them for forever, and uh, per Woj's report on ESPN, now all I have to give up is two guys who don't play for them and a second rounder that is six years off in the future. So maybe a kid that's 13 or 14 years old right now. I always love to think about second round picks in that way. <laughs> so for them, it, you know, for a team that has Jokic and and is pushing for a title and needs all the good pieces they can get, yeah, that's that's a no brainer move for them. And the other two teams get an asset or some savings. It's a win win win. And you know, it's it's not often that Bryn Forbes is the prize of a trade, but <laughs> the Nuggets true. really need him. They have not been shooting well this year. That is 100% true, right? Yeah, so that's that's going to help them out a little bit at least. Uh, I will, on the Locked on Celtics podcast, cover the salary dump nature and the weird mechanics here that could actually lead to P.J. Dozier once he's done with the ACL recovery being back in Denver if they want him. If he wants to be back there, this doesn't preclude any of that. From happening, so that's the the first of many moves by by the Celtics. I'm sure the Celtics can be pretty active throughout the trade deadline. We'll see what else happens as we are now three weeks in a day away wow. from the deadline, and we'll have special coverage here on the Lockdown NBA podcast as well. So check that out. Couple of games in this. Uh, Want to start with the? Let's start with the late one because we could just blow right past that. Golden State <laughs> one to Detroit eighty six. Now full disclosure. I watched the first half of this game. In the second half, I was, oh, just thrown to the wolves with this trade analysis that I had to do, the Wancho Hernan Gomez trade. But uh, I don't think I missed much in the second half. But in this game, the the Warriors were up by 30-plus. The big headline for them is that Clay Thompson had 21 points on 6 of 13 shooting, 3 of 8 from 3. So it was a, a really good 
uh, Clay Thompson game. Steph Curry shot four of eight from three, so he's he's kind of getting back on track. And uh, Jonathan Kaminga showing out a little bit. So uh, you you took the bullet here and watched <laughs> all of this. <laughs> what did you see in the second half? Uh, I wa- the, the second half was horrible. It was a sleepwalking second half. Yeah. The Warriors win this game by 16 points, and they sucked in the second half. They scored 36 points in the second half. The Warriors won by 16 and only scored 36 in the second half. And, you know, you already mentioned the guy that for Golden State, I think, has merited the most discussion of play. Well, really, both of them. Clay had his biggest scoring night of the season. That, of course, is relevant for a Golden State team with title aspirations. If he can be anything, if he can be a 20 points a game guy, all of a sudden they're way more dangerous. But Kuminga, another great game. His fourth in a row, 15 points um, a week ago against the Bucks, 25 against uh, the Bulls. Then they play Minnesota. He has 19, and then he's in double digits again in this one against the Pistons. Not as efficient as some of those other games, but he continues to be a, a threat for them. He had a double-double with 10 rebounds as well. So I'm not sure how long he'll be in the rotation. He's mostly playing a lot with Draymond out, but for a guy they picked so high and, and you know, a lot, they, they stumbled into the lottery and got this pick in the Minnesota trade to get some value out of that and, and something that could potentially bridge their franchise from one era to the next. He's been really good. The Pistons are just just not a very good basketball no, no, team. No, no, no. They, they only had one guy, two guys shoot above 50% in this game. Their offense is, is just a boat sitting in place with no rudder for a lot of these games. So even when the, the Warriors only score 36 and a half, they easily can beat Detroit when they play like this. Yeah, uh, first game back from a long road trip is is usually a, a trap for for teams, but Golden State obviously did what they had to do, came out hot, built up that huge league. Uh, watching Detroit just lose Steph Curry and just lose Clay Thompson on defense, those guys standing wide open in the corner while they're – I mean, that's like – that's that shows you how far Detroit has to go. Yep. But, uh, but for Golden State, who has been struggling without, um, without Draymond – this is the exact type of game you kind of need to just kind of get back on track, get a little confidence going. Clay's got it going a little bit. Steph gets his, you know, shoots four of eight from three, feels a little bit better about himself. It's a it's a nice little kind of bounce back off of you know some recent struggles. So, you know, we'll we'll see if this is something that that's a little bit of a launching pad for them during this the 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 doldrums and as they try to figure out what's really happening with Draymond Green. The other game here is Minnesota 112-110 over the New York Knicks. This was just a wild game. It, it, it I don't know how you felt about this. I, I felt like the score and the crowd and the atmosphere made it seem like, wow, this was a great game. But it didn't look like a great game when I was watching it. It was like the Knicks had just a ton of turnovers early, and then Minnesota just couldn't get out of their own way in the third quarter, and Minnes and and the Knicks just blasted them in the in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, it was kind of like a—I don't think it was more clutch play than who sucked less in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Yeah, it it was a weird game because the Knicks were really awful for a lot of it, and then just had this huge, huge third quarter. That made it look like they were playing great, and the and you know the Garden crowd is obviously so into every game that you know it looked like the saw some atmosphere and the Knicks were playing well and ahead. And Kemba Walker had this nine points in ninety second stretch in the fourth that almost put the game away for the Knicks, right? So the crowd was really engaged and it was close for all the second half, which means it looks like this awesome game. But I think you kind of nailed it that you know the Knicks kind of looked like the Pistons, who we talked about earlier, ironically for a lot of this, where 
their second half offense outside of that Kemba outburst, uh, you know, was horrible in the fourth quarter. Their offense in the fourth was really, really rough. I mean, he, he had that nine points. They scored 19 the whole frame. So they only had 10 other points outside of that Kemba outburst in the fourth. Whereas the Wolves were a little more balanced and were able to put it away at the end. Carl Towns hitting a nice shot at the end. Jalen Noel, who continues to be a nice little story this season, had two clutch buckets. That kind of tells you the story of this game a little bit is that Jalen Noel is hitting some clutch buckets for Minnesota. So it was a fun ending. You know, the Knicks were ahead with a minute and a half to go, but I had trouble scoring down the stretch and missed some free throws that they would like to have back. But credit to Minnesota. They continue to be one of those pesky teams, and they have a lot of guys my job is not to insert my own opinion into this that much, but they have a lot of guys that I just like watching. So they're, yeah. they're, they're just a fun team. You know, they, they played well down the stretch of this game. They deserved it. And it, it was fun to watch them do it. Yeah. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, 20 points, five rebounds, three assists, uh, 50, 50% across the board for, for him shooting. Um, the, you know, th- that fourth quarter offense, it was like, guys, you have Carl Anthony Towns, get him the ball. Please. And then he finally gets well, the ball and he lowers the shoulder on, you know, on on um Julius Randall of all people, big brick wall, Julius Randall, lowers the shoulder, has this crazy lefty finish. Um it, it was like that's why you have this guy. That's why you make him the focal point of your fourth quarter offense in a game like this. Uh still still trying to kind of figure themselves out, the Minnesota Timberwolves are. Nick's normally a good fourth quarter offense, like top 10 in the league. You would never have known it in this game. Yeah, it took a while for the for Minnesota to go to Towns. Like I said, Noel was was doing stuff for them, but they, they were kind of forcing it through the guards, and Towns really took it over when they needed it to, which was strange. The, the Wolves are weird because as fun as they are, they, they have some issues like getting into sets and with very generic spacing stuff. They just get in each other's way sometimes, off ball, which is very weird. Every yes. time I watch them, they're young and clunky and, and they're not bad. You know, it's a, it's not like it's a huge hindrance, but it's just something that could speed them up a little bit. I feel like and make them way smoother. The Knicks are really good at these little interior dump off passes that I love. And it's like the only redeeming thing I like about the Knicks offense is Julius Randle yeah. flipping it to Taj Gibson from three feet away. Everything else they do just feels like a lot of your turn, my turn kind of stuff. So, yeah, the Timberwolves were just better in this game. Yep. And, and once Carl Towns figured that out, they won. It's a matter of who can get hot. Um the Knicks, like the final possession, I think is very indicative of the Knicks where you had Evan Fournier really forcing it. And, you know, he could have swung it over to RJ Barry, could have swung it over to, um, to, um, uh, Kimball Walker, um, or, or swung it to RJ Barrett so he could get it to Kimball Walker. There, there are ball movement things that they could have done passes. They could have made in plenty of time on the clock. Uh, my one, my one note out of nowhere is Evan Fournier, who in the third quarter exploded and got himself to 26 points after three quarters, only had one point after that. Keeping a streak alive, he has three games this season of 30-plus points. All three have come against the Boston Celtics. He has not scored 30-plus against any other team. I thought this was going to be the game where he broke it, and he did not. So come on, Evan Fournier. <laughs> The, the the Celtic I mean the, the the Knicks need to hypnotize him into believing that he's playing against the Celtics so he can get past that uh, moving forward. All right, so though those are the games. That's the news in the NBA uh, now. An LA Times report on Frank Vogel, which is very kind of I think gross when it comes to Frank Vogel's job. I don't like the way this puts him uh, the the position it puts him in. We're going to talk about that when we come back. First, I'm going to talk to you about prize picks which we have been talking to you about for months if you have not signed up 
I don't know what else to tell you. Now is the time to do it because they have an exclusive no-brainer. Absolutely take advantage of this offer. If you like daily fantasy sports, use the promo code NBA when you sign up for prize picks. You're going to get $50 for free if your player scores a single point. So unless you've got Draymond Green fouling out after one second in every pick that you make, you're going to get $50 for free with the promo code NBA. It's an exclusive offer. Prize Picks has the best daily fantasy prop game on the market. It offers more props than any other DFS prop operator. Plus, you can get the stars and some of these bench guys that we've been talking about. And maybe you can use your knowledge, the knowledge you learn on this podcast, to make a little bit of money here. You can pick two to five players, the over-under and their projections. You can mix teams. You can mix sports. So if you're on a playing on a day where there's the NFL playoffs, you could mix sports and combine that in your entry. Uh, it's very easy to do so. So go to prizepicks.com right now. Go to your app store. Download the app on both app stores. All users that make a deposit and use the promo code NBA will get $50 free. If your first prize picks entry scores a single point, I cannot stress that enough. Use the promo code NBA, 50 bucks free. If your first prize picks entry scores a single point, prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. According to the Los Angeles Times, Frank Vogel's job is not necessarily in jeopardy yet. However, Tony, it's kind of like the way it was framed, according to the LA Times, is they have no immediate plans to replace him. But it puts him in a very tenuous position, and it almost makes it seem like he's he's coaching game to game to save his job, which to me is an unfair position. Because I don't know what you're asking Frank Vogel to do tomorrow that he didn't do yesterday. But for some reason, if it doesn't work tomorrow, then he's out. But because it worked yesterday, you got another day on the job there, Frankie boy. It, it It's a ridiculous place to put him. And the, this comes on the heels of the athletic report earlier in the day that Vogel is coaching for his job, right? So this is from everywhere, right? It's clear that the Lakers are looking at this path. And it doesn't make any sense to be to do this. I mean, if you don't think Vogel is the right coach, then fire him now. And if you're in a position where you're evaluating him every day, were they randomly going to be awesome all of a sudden? Like they're 22 and 22. What is Anthony, if Anthony Davis comes back and they start winning and they're not going to be like, Oh, Frank Vogel did it. No, they're going to be like Anthony Davis came back. You know what, what is the end game for the Lakers in this situation? It's very strange to me, even with, you know, Vogel, like I, I agree with you that it's weird to put him in the situation. And he certainly had some flaws this year, but he's still a great coach. It's like, I don't get the point of any of this for them. And having any coach on a trial basis, basically game by game, like the reporting from The Athletic was like, they even put despite Jazz win in the headline, right? So they, was this something that was in the works for a little bit after they got blown out by Denver last week? Like, it doesn't make sense that the Lakers are doing this to the guy that won them a championship and a the guy they gave a contract extension to this offseason. Right. So I, I, I'm, I'm frankly kind of, nope, no pun intended, shocked. <laughs> that he's even in this position because that's what the, first of all, that's what the contract extension is supposed to be. Secondly, when you look at the Lakers issues at where on the list is, Oh, he doesn't know how to coach this team. That is the last thing that is, I think the issue for, first of all, 
LeBron injured earlier, Anthony Davis injured now. Those are your two best players. That's obviously issue number one. Issue number two is Russell Westbrook. You you mortgaged the future for this old roster. You put this roster together and have said, okay, go. And now you're saying, well, it's Frank Vogel's fault for not getting this roster to, to play together. This is the best part. This is the best part of this report. And I'm, I'm trying to not have my head explode on the air here. Kurt Rambis, a senior advisor with the, with the Lakers, I'm reading this directly, attended the Lakers pregame coaches meeting Monday at crypto.com arena for the first time this season, previously att only attending meetings virtually. Rambis advocated for the Lakers to use larger lineups with Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan, according to people with knowledge of the situation. You're telling me that the Lakers are leaking this stuff about their coach and Rambis is saying more Dwight Howard and more DeAndre Jordan is the answer? That Like, that's your answer? That he's not playing these guys? Are you nuts? What is wrong with this team? I, ironically, if you made me pick something that Vogel did poorly, it would be that he actually did start DeAndre Jordan 18 times this season. The opposite thing that Rambis wants to do is actually the thing that I would criticize Vogel for the most. DeAndre Jordan was terrible in those games. And to give Vogel some credit, he figured it out and stopped playing him completely and went to LeBron at center for the Lakers' best stretch of the season. It seems like the guy in charge knows what he's doing and has figured things out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a slap in the face to your head coach to even like, – if, if let's say Vogel knows or doesn't know whatever that Rambis maybe is, is wanting to have more input or the Lakers are going to have him more input. Like just even putting him in that meeting is disrespectful almost. You know what I mean? Like it, there's no vote of confidence there. You're not letting, you're not letting Vogel do his job. And like anyone who's watched the Lakers knows that Deandre Jordan is not the answer for them this year. Dwight gives them some occasional. Okay. Minutes. Like I understand if they want to go big for short stints. Sure. That's fine. That can be a small sure. change, but Starting them big minutes, it, it, that does not make any sense. The Lakers are not designed to have that be their team. They wanted to lean in a little more on shooting around LeBron and having more centers in there certainly does not do that. So not only is it a slap in the face to have another voice in the room at all that could in theory be dominating over your head coach, but one that is giving advice that clearly is, in my opinion at least, clearly bad for your basketball team is just it's a slap in the face to everyone. I, I feel like... Look, Frank Frank Vogel won a, a championship. Now, personally, this was a, that was a unique circumstance. I happen to think like they were on the verge of having another season like they've had like last year. If they didn't have the shutdown and allow LeBron and Anthony Davis to kind of get healthy, they might not have that championship. Which means they might have fired Vogel last year. Which means that Jason Kidd probably would be the coach right now of the Lakers and. And and maybe Vogel would have gone off and, and coached the 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 Dallas Mavericks and Nick Angstead would be very happy right now. But I, I I just this Lakers organization, I bring that up just to say that this Lakers organization is a a mess. And I don't believe in the moves that they've made. And if they didn't have a multiple month period for LeBron and Anthony Davis to get healthy at a point where neither of them have been healthy during this late stretch of their careers uh, or during this recent stretch of their careers, that they wouldn't even have that championship. And, and who knows, like 
if Polenko would still be around. So this is like almost like a delayed reaction for the Lakers. And look, they won the championship, and I'm not trying to you know, take that away from them, but I'm saying that this is delayed. Like that was not a championship won by the brilliance of the Lakers front office. Like that was a championship won by circumstance and by the fact that LeBron and Anthony Davis were like, when they are healthy, they're unstoppable monsters of basketball players. So it shouldn't, it's almost like not surprising to me. And, and the Lakers organization continues to be a mess. And frankly, if they didn't, I keep saying, frankly, I don't mean that pun. (laughs) If, if space jam wasn't filming, in LA, I wonder if the if if I I wonder what would be happening. I wonder where LeBron would be playing right now, and and this would be a whole different story. If you made me rank the Lakers' issues this season, and this this is just I did not type this before we started recording or anything. This is just looking at their record, their stats, where they are right now. Forty four games in, they've had one guy play more than thirty two games, right? So everyone on this team has missed twelve games or more, except for us. And Russ has been super inconsistent for them. He has some games like against Utah a couple nights ago where he looked somewhat credible and helpful, and then he has stinkers against the Nuggets. Like last week, he's the guy who's played 44 for them. Injuries have been massive for them. LeBron's missed 12 games. Anthony Davis has missed 15 games. Right, just those are the two stars, obviously. But everybody, literally everybody's missed time. They got hit really hard by COVID. So roster construction would be my number one for them, obviously. They have a lot of ill-fitting pieces, not enough shooting. Injuries have been a big problem for them. COVID hit them really hard. I mean – those are the three things right away that stand out to me more than anything Frank Vogel has done incorrectly, despite him you know, have, have being flawed as a coach this season. Those are three things that point more fingers away from him to me. So I, I'm just stunned that they would even be considering this route after he won a title two years ago, even with all the caveats that you just named. But, it, you know, it's the Lakers. They expect, they expect the best every single year, especially when they're paying this much for their roster. So we'll see what happens with the situation. But I, I'm certainly yeah. surprised to hear this. I'm, I'm, I, I just put Vogel at probably the bottom of the list of, of issues in LA. I, I, and I agree with you. Like he, he's figured things out. Like he's, he's right. gone with the play, those big guys, the minutes long, like it, he, he's not the problem. And the more that they want to scapegoat him, the, the worse it's going to be. I don't think a coaching change solves anything in LA. Another LA team has a problem. The LA Clippers, Paul George, the torn ligament in his elbow, still an issue. In fact, he's going to be out longer than anticipated. So we're going to play our regular Wednesday game, real or fake, how that impacts their playoff chances when we come back. First, let's talk about Built Bar, our favorite protein bar on the market right now here in the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's going to help you get through these New Year's resolutions because I know how this goes. I have the same issue myself. Holidays come around. I'm a big eater. Mom's cooked a lot of great, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners. I've put on a couple pounds. So my New Year's resolution, I want to get back in the gym. I want to drop a couple LBs. But I know that we're all going to slip. And you reach for that candy bar that you got stashed away in that drawer. And now you feel guilty. Don't do that to yourself. Replace that with a built bar. Because that candy bar's got... 240 or so calories, 30 grams of sugar. It's crazy. Dozens of net carbs. Take that out, throw it away, put a built bar in there. What are you going to get? 130, 150, 170 calories, which is much, much better. Four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and it's covered in chocolate. You're going to satisfy that craving. You're not going to feel guilty. You're not going to feel like you've screwed up. 
and it's going to derail you. This is going to help you keep on track with your resolutions. If you go to the gym, put one in your gym bag. If you're running late, grab one. You can eat it in the car. It's going to get you through the morning. It's great for the keto diet. It applies. Uh, if you have a nut allergy, uh, it's fine there. You have many, many options. And whatever your flavor, the, the flavors you like, coconut, peanut butter, mint, fruit, they've got options for you. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. You can use it every single time at built.com. So you don't feel like you have to go stock up on a bunch of things you don't, you're not sure that you like. Go pick one out, try it, go back the next time, use LOCKED15 again. Every single time, you're going to get 15% off at built.com. The LA Clippers have extended Paul George's downtime for the torn ulnar collateral ligament in his right elbow. It's going to take a few more weeks, and that's just to see how it responds. He has that torn uh, ligament in his shooting elbow. Uh, he has not played since uh, before Christmas, uh, December 22nd, and now he's going to be out for a few more weeks. This, this seems like it's going to take him close to or beyond the all-star break. So every Wednesday we play real or fake. So I'll present to you, Tony East, real or fake. I always do a big pre presenting voice. <laughs> real or fake. People are probably sick of that. It's not a great bit, but I keep doing it. The Clippers will miss the playoffs because of this Paul George injury. Can I ask you a question about that about the about the parameters? Yeah, sure, it's very. If the simple. Clippers lose in the play-in tournament, have they missed the playoffs for this? Yes. Uh, for this discussion. That's that's right. The, okay. the playoffs that are that one through eight seed. The play-in <laughs> is different. All right, I will say real in that case. I think that the Clippers will have no trouble making the play-in. No trouble. No trouble making the play-in. I am that confident they can make the play-in. When PG played this year, they're 14-12. and 12. That's not that awesome. That's pretty good. It's not awesome. It's about 500. They're 22-23, and 23, right? So they are 8-11 and 11 without him. That's, that's not great, but it's not awful either. They're playing yeah. okay without him, right? So currently the bar to make the play-in in the West is 18-25 and 25 Portland. The, the Clippers are basically a 500 team right now. Even if they limp for a while before PG comes back, he might not come back at all this year. Either way, I think that they have just enough to stay in it right now. They, I think right now they have enough to stay in it. They, maybe they sell some stuff off if they don't think he's coming back. I think they can make the play in for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't think that from there they can make the playoffs. And if he does come back, even then they'll have to win twice or at least win a tough game. So that's where I think they're out is – the play in and then they, they still have to make it and you know maybe they could falter a little bit going forward so can they make that the play in tournament yeah do i think they can make the playoffs i do not so i'll say real struggles coming up for the clippers okay so here's here's i'm going to say i i want to say real but i'm gonna say fake and here's here's why the the strength of schedule remaining for the clippers is is you know it's tough. They've got the Suns. They got Golden State. Um, but they've got some. They've got some cupcakes on there too. They got three games against the Rockets. They've you know they've got New Orleans, OKC, Den, uh, Dallas. I'm sorry, uh, they do have Dallas, but not. 
but they, they've got some they've got some cupcakes there that I think can keep them afloat. Um, I think they can beat some of these these decent teams that are coming up because there there are other circumstances involved in back to backs and late late season stuff with rest. And when you look at the standings, they are far enough ahead. They're four and a half games ahead of the Kings. You got the Kings, Spurs, Pelicans, Thunder, and Rockets. Those none of those teams are going to knock the Clippers out of the play-in. You got Portland without Dame and their issues. You got Minnesota, who I don't trust, and you've got the Lakers. So as long as the Lakers and Clippers don't play each other, I think they can both make the playoffs. Now, what I do think is the Clippers are going to end up being the eighth seed and they're going to get destroyed, Paul George <laughs> or no Paul George. But I think the Clippers will sneak into the playoffs with the one asterisk caveat, if in the next few weeks it's obvious that the Clippers think, oh, he's done for the season, we're not even going to bother, and you see a, a Morris trade, and if you see some of these well, other pieces, then – so stuff like that, yeah. The, right. Those, those potential pieces, it may behoove them to just say, you know what, forget it. We're not going to waste our time. Let's just fall. Let's get into the lottery. Let's get. Let's figure something out. Use that pick to now. Do they have that pick? I whatever. They do not have their pick. They do not have that pick. So never mind. They do not. So they're gonna be trying to win all season. They're they not trying to win. So throw that out. I. I only well, even if they trade away guys for other assets, they'll be trying to win all season. Like they're. I think they're a lot to are pretty close to a lot to make the play in, as you've explained. By the way, I just randomly thought of this while we were chatting. This is a this is a really small competitive advantage just for the teams in LA. But right, like hosting the play-in game for the seven eight is like kind of important, right? Having it on yeah. your home court. If if the Clippers and Lakers get locked into seven eight, do they yeah. care? Who cares? It's it's in your well, building either way. Well, who cares what letters are on the court, right? Right. Well, I mean, it's gonna be a Lakers game because there's no <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know? Who cares? They don't have to push for seven all of a sudden. They can just be yeah. locked in. So yeah, even if they sell off stuff, they're not going to be tanking or anything. They don't yeah. have their pick. It's unprotected to OKC. Yeah, I think they're a lot to make the play in. It's just it's tough to like last year we saw with Golden State who was eight. Like that doesn't mean anything. You know, you got you still got to make it, and that's where I think they'll they'll yeah. fall short this year. So I think I, I so I'll, I'll say it's it's just borderline fake. But the, you know, look, Paul George, the the injuries keep piling up for him, and you know, the, and the 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 sad thing is, is that he was for a second there. We were talking about him in the MVP conversation, like in the early first, like first return type of conversation uh, about the MVP. Paul George was like right there. And to have that fall apart, your Jake, you know, had said like in, in our early like prediction episodes that without Kawhi, like this is Paul George's time to shine. And now, now he's going to miss most of the rest of the season or a big chunk of it. I hope he comes back and, and and maybe they can make a little bit of a run, but I don't see it. They were eight and four and they'd won seven in a row. And he was like 27 points per game at that time. I mean, I, he was popular in those discussions at mm -hmm. that time. It was Clippers were looking good. It sucks that in his chance to shine, he's hurt, but you know, it's such West, his life in the NBA. The West is so open. Like Phoenix is good. So, Golden state. You don't know what's going on with Draymond. Memphis is hot, but you don't know if you can trust them. Utah has their issues. Dallas and Denver are a mess. Like this is a, a a time to like, this is actually a great time to be in the West and be like, Hey, maybe we can make like the, you know, a, an unprecedented run or something like that. So 
it, it's almost like we can say that if Paul George does come back and he's healthy, maybe they make make a big run that we don't expect. And I'm sitting here talking about them missing the playoffs. They could they could just as easily, and this is probably the conversation that's going on in the front office. Like, if he comes back, why sell off all your pieces? If he comes back, who are you afraid of in the West? Like two, I, two or three teams. Like you have an opportunity with your style, with the guys that you have that can make shots, tough shots. Eh, who knows? And Ty Lue has shown he can he can lead those undermanned teams to absolutely. You yeah. have you have a great head coach who can make great adjustments. Like I don't know, it's such a wild precarious position for the Clippers. All right, yeah, but well, but should but they're underachieving. Should they fire Ty Lue like their LA counterparts? I mean that that's seems right. Like the that's right. You know he's yeah. you never know. You I mean he has what has he done? Right. <laughs> That's how ridiculous. That, not that ridiculous, but that's kind of how ridiculous the Lakers stuff it's seems. Almost, it's almost at that level. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. All right, uh, that's the show. That's the Wednesday show. Uh, not bad. I, I I keep saying like every Wednesday, I get these like two game nights, and I I feel bad. Like yesterday, Matt and Dave Vermeil were just watching basketball from like noon to like wherever. Uh, <laughs> you know the MLK Day. They had the MLK Day slate. And they're like, they just basically woke up, made a pot of coffee and watched basketball all day long. We like watched, I watched like six quarters of basketball for the show. <laughs> I feel like I should get them like an edible arrangement or something. Uh, thanks for pinch hitting here, Tony. Tony's at uh, T East NBA. He's a uh, host of Lockdown Pacers. I'm John Corrales at John underscore Corrales uh, on Twitter. I host Lockdown Celtics. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Make Locked On Bets your second listen or Locked On Now for uh, a regular recap from our local experts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for subscribing to the show. It's on YouTube. Watch it on YouTube and share the podcast. Tell everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Locked On NBA podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network.